now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sterling Meyer, author, motivational speaker, and world-renowned manifestation coach with esteemed clients, including Google, People Magazine, InStyle Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, The Lifetime Channel, A-List Celebrities, and many others. Today, we're going to be talking about her art of manifestation system, her out-of-body experiences, and more. Sterling, thank you so much for being my guest today, and welcome. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm so delighted to be here, and I'm so excited. We're going to talk about a lot of great stuff. Awesome. All right, if you don't mind, can we first start with your out-of-body experiences and what happened? Absolutely. So I've had three. The first one, I was listening to an Art Bell show about out-of-body experiences, and I was just really casually listening to it. I didn't think much about it. But then when I went to bed, I'm lying there, and I just closed my eyes, and suddenly I noticed that I'm on the side of my bed. And I noticed the sensation of, first of all, I knew I was on the side of the bed. I wasn't seeing myself in the bed, but I felt my, my position or my direction of where I was. And then all of a sudden, because I noticed how weightless I was and I didn't have this body, so to speak, it's a nice feeling, but it's scary because I didn't really realize what was going on. So I snapped back into my body. But then the second time, which was about maybe the same night or the next night, it was really close. I had another out-of-body experience. And I knew it was an out-of-body experience because it wasn't a dream, but it happened in the middle of the night. And the reason why I knew is because my dreams are always very engaging and I'm always um, doing things. And it seems more like real life, actually. It's very linear. But this time I noticed that I was traveling somewhere and I went to my neighbor's house and I was just being an observer instead of like engaging in some kind of adventure. And I was observing and I noticed that the TV was on. He was sleeping on the couch. I noticed some laundry in a basket that was sort of like half hanging out. I could see the whole room perfectly. Then I went into the bedroom and I looked at the bed and it was this big white bed. And there was like the covers were all rolled up like a burrito or something on the side of the bed. And I thought, well, that's strange, you know, and I just kind of looked at it out of curiosity and, um, and it was just this observer of everything. And that was it. The next day, I knew that this was some strange experience. So I had to go talk to my neighbor. Mm. And I said, you're, you, you're going to think I'm crazy or something. But I actually think I visited you. And I described everything. And he said, that was exactly what was going on. I fell asleep. I'm watching TV and, you know, I was doing laundry. And what's more is that you were looking at my roommate. She sleeps in this strange way, all wrapped up like a little burrito on the side of the bed. And if he hadn't confirmed it, you know, I would have doubted it. But like I said, I knew something had happened. Otherwise I wouldn't have 
you know, sacrifice making myself look like a nut job and asking him to confirm my uh -huh. out-of-body experience. So the third time it happened, well, it wasn't so pleasant, but actually um, I had, someone attacked me and they strangled me and I collapsed and I came out of my body. Now this time I was standing next to my body and I saw myself laying slumped on the floor. But then I came back into my body and when I came to, I felt like I was drunk or something, you know, I was so like woozy and everything. And, um, well, thank goodness, you know, I didn't get strangled for too long or I wouldn't have had that out of body experience. I would have had a near death experience or maybe just a death experience. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So I think that sometimes some of us that are sensitive or empaths or intuitives, I think that sometimes if just reading about it or reading about a phenomenon such as out-of-body experience or reading about paranormal experiences can actually cause you to have them because you're already susceptible. You've already, you're already connected to beyond the physical world. And I actually have a friend where that happened, where he was reading so much Edgar Casey and he was reading all of this paranormal stuff. And next thing you know, he had this ability to see people before they walk into the building, um, outside of the building he was in. And he was able to hear people's thoughts and conversations even before they entered or walking through crowds and things like that. So if anybody's interested out there, <laughs> I'm just saying, I think this these paranormal experiences are easier to access than we may believe. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was wondering, was there some kind of catalyst before the first two? Like, did you have a crisis in your life or was it purely just due to listening to the radio and hearing people talking about OBEs and stuff? I have always been an intuitive person. I've always been a psychic person. So, <clears throat> pardon me. And also I'm an empath. So you can pick up energy. You can tap into things. Um intentionally or not intentionally. So I think, like I said, it's just part of being sensitive to tapping into other dimensions and, and energy and being able to leave your body because we're energy, right? So it's just, this is where we're housed. Our energy is housed, but it doesn't mean that we have to stay here. You know, and a, a lot of people will induce out-of-body experiences. And Shirley MacLaine talks about her own out-of-body experience. So I believe that it's really, really accessible for most people if they just were to study it, be open to it, allow it to happen. I think fear is what keeps us from having an experience like that. If you can remove the fear and increase the desire and the interest, you could probably induce your own out-of-body experience. I completely agree. Sometimes we talk about that. The problem of being able to have the out-of-body experience is the fear and how to get over the fear. Right. Exactly. Like for me, because I was aware of my out-of-body experience the first time, it scared me and I wanted to come back to my own body, which is familiar. But I didn't know that that was even happening. Uh, it was a surprise. The second time, 
I'm more relaxed in my body. I'm sleeping. And so was able to travel that way and not cut it short. All right. In researching you, I discovered that you're also an actress or were an actress. I'm not sure if you're still doing it, but how did you Mm. go from being an actress to the guru of manifestation? Oh, that's a great question. Well, all my life, I always knew I wanted to live an extraordinary life. I always knew that as a child. I couldn't wait to find out what this world was all about, discover it, and have these incredible experiences. I went to the high school of performing arts, and I studied drama. And I think what drew me to that is because, again, I knew I wanted to have all these experiences. And I felt like with acting, it was a safe place to have experiences without the consequences that we might have in life. So that's what drew me to it. And then when I was doing that, I actually got discovered from an acting job and asked by a major label if I would was able to like sing or write songs. Boy, was that a surprise. So I, I literally taught myself guitar overnight and started writing. But I come from a family of musicians. You know, my dad was singer, songwriter in bands and And um, my grandfather on his deathbed told me it was either him or his or his uh, sister who actually wrote Accentuate the Positive and sold it to Johnny Mercer for five hundred dollars. So and my mother was a singer. So I grew up around all of this. So I thought for sure I can try this and everything. So the reason why that appealed to me was because I felt like I had more creative control and I could write songs and perform them with messages that would allow people to wake up, be awakened and think for themselves and think deeper and think about possibilities. It's just an awakening that I wanted to create with, with music. So I did that for a while and um, had a lot of success and it was wonderful and great. And I was coming back from a European tour well, let me backtrack for a second. So prior to that happening, okay, because we do have to cross some lines here. When I started, when I was 13, I started reading Psycho-Cybernetics, Maxwell Maltz. I really wanted to understand how to create outcomes, how to have the most extraordinary life I could. So I took it upon myself to really study these kinds of things. I was reading a lot of books. So it was, it was self, self-taught. So I was reading a lot of books and learning about all of this, but I found that everything that I had read always disappointed me because I didn't feel like I could access these incredible stories for myself. I, I, you know, I heard these wonderful stories and what's possible, but I couldn't do it myself. And that was very frustrating, but I knew there was truth to what I was reading about. I just felt that the accessibility with the information I was given was limited at best. So I started cherry picking everything that I felt was essential and important and leaving out all the extraneous, confusing, complicated things that don't need to be there. I limited those things, eliminated those things, and I created my own system. So this was 22 years ago. So then I used my system for five years of my life. And I logged in one year I would use it, one year I wouldn't. One year I'd be, I'm a healthy skeptic. So I did this for five years. And what I found was extraordinary was that whenever I used the system, everything I wanted to materialize or manifest actually happened. And then when I didn't, 
nothing happened. I felt like I got nowhere. And uh, so then I didn't stop there. The next thing I did was actually, I took on a blind test study group of 15 people and I had them apply the system to their lives. And the, the results were extraordinary. They created what would look like a lifetime worth of goals and achieve them in 12 months. They had a success rate of 90 to 100%, depending on the person, of materializing all of the things they wanted within that 12-month period. And I found that really incredible. Now, this was a hobby of mine. However, I did use it to create you know, the, the, um, all the opportunities that I had and the successes that I had. I used it for everything because it worked. So then, you know, fast forward, we were, we were just talking about how this came into being into the public's eye. I came back from a European tour. I was exhausted. The whole band, we all got the flu. We were in bed for three weeks. We were just tired. And I said, you know, I want to reevaluate what I'm going to do here. My bass player's wife was wanting to start a family. So he wanted to go in that direction. I thought it was just a time to reconsider where I wanted to take things in my life. And during that break, I started spending more time with friends and, I, and they were having tr troubles. They were struggling in their life. And so I helped them and I revealed my secret and I gave them this secret and they applied it to their lives. The, the results were so extraordinary and they were so enthusiastic and happy. They started telling everybody about it. And voila, you know, the cat's out of the bag and people just started lining up. And I never looked back. I just went in that direction. I love it. It's wonderful. I, it makes sense to me now as to why I did all the things that I did, because all of that was really taking me to this place to where my, my true purpose was, which is to create this system and share it with the world. And it makes perfect sense. I look back I'm like, why did I do acting? Why did I, you know, and I understood my personal interest in it, but I also understood that it was great. Um, uh, what do you call it? it? It was, it was, it was great for, for learning and for taking me into this place to where I would be driven to create what is called the art of manifestation AOM system. And now I understand. Yeah. Why, why I'm here and how I, how, I got here. Here it is. I keep looking over at it because I'm referring to it in case you're wondering what I'm looking at. But um, that's how it happened. So it all really makes sense. And a lot of people out there might be thinking, well, I don't know. I'm lost in life. I don't know my purpose. I get a lot of people asking me these questions. What's my purpose? And I think that if you continue to be true to yourself and you continue to really listen to the inner voice and take that chance and live off of faith and not fear, you're going to be okay. You'll find it. it my road was kind of squiggly too. Um, but that's okay because it does have a purpose. It's not exactly a squiggly road for no reason. In other words, this was training ground. This was a learning ground for me to get to where I'm at now those other careers and those other experiences. And I'm totally complete with those, ex those other careers. People always ask me, don't you miss it? I go, no, I don't. And I can see why too, because I think it, it served its purpose. 
And his purpose was for me to be where I am now. It's common for me to interview people who've had a near-death experience and they're told in their experience, it's not your time and you have a purpose or you have something you have to do. And they come back and they still don't know their purpose. Yeah, because you know what? Sometimes I think that's because they're looking too hard. In other words, the purpose may not be a huge quote unquote grand thing, right? I know somebody who works at the grocery store handing out parking tickets. This guy is so fulfilled, so happy, living such an extraordinary life, fulfilling a purpose. And I got to know a lot of the people that came regularly and they told me how he's changed their life, how they'll tell their kids, you see this guy, like learn from him. Like this is, this is it, right? He's, he's fulfilling a huge purpose. He's got so many people that love him and appreciate him that he makes their day. He's changing lives and he's just working a simple job taking tickets or giving tickets for parking. It's extraordinary. So I think that it can come in different forms. It can be expressed in many different forms. That guy is powerful. But you might not think that in the first second when you think about it, because you're like, how is that powerful in a job? Like, well, it is. It truly, truly is. And there's a lot of people that are in grandiose positions and have incredibly powerful jobs and positions and they're not actually serving their purpose. Do you think many people get confused that they think that their purpose should be something that makes them rich and famous? Yeah. Or they think it has to be extraordinarily profound, but guess what? You make the magic. It's not what you do. That's magical. It's who you are being in the world that makes all the difference. And that is completely up to you. And it doesn't matter what you're doing on the job, off the job, walking down the street. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You have the power, you have the ability to be extraordinary at all times, to be powerfully impacting other people's lives, transforming people's lives, transforming circumstances that are disempowered you have the power to be completely happy and successful. And it's completely within here. You know, as we're moving into these other dimensions of fourth and we have a third dimension, we have a fourth dimension, we have a fifth dimension. You know, as we're moving and evolving our consciousness, we're starting to awaken to the idea that the circumstances or the things that happen around me do not dictate to me. You know, I have the say in the matter. I dictate to what's going on around here. Like we're finding our own power and we're finding our own ability to create that success and happiness without looking on the outside, but looking within. And we're starting, this is starting to grow more and more and more. And people are becoming more and When I started my career 10 years ago, oh boy, you know. I couldn't have the conversations I'm having with my new clients as I, you know, it got so much easier to converse with them and to talk to them about these things. And they got it. They got it on either an evolved level or they got it in a level where they go, yeah, that feels right. Or that resonates. I haven't heard that before, but it, you know, 
prior 10 years ago, they didn't even know what the word manifest meant. And they didn't understand. It took, you know, they had to stretch. But that's because collectively we're evolving. And so this information is becoming more and more common and easy to understand. I think it would be a good place for us to all be on the same page. So how do you define manifestation? Well, manifesting is something that we're doing all the time. We're creating. We are creators. More and more people are waking up to the idea that I create my life. And they're taking more and more responsibility because that's where the power is. And that's where the empowerment is uh, to change circumstances that are disempowering. We have to acknowledge that we're the creator of our own lives. We create our outcomes and our experiences before we have a say in shifting whatever around us is disempowering. So it comes from that ownership. It comes from taking that kind of responsibility. And what's interesting is when you really think about it, what is life? And who are we in this place called the world planet? All that's going on here is a series of creations and experiences. We create and we experience, we create and we experience. You could be meditating on the beach. You could be sleeping in your own bed. You could be taking a shower. It doesn't matter all the time. Constantly, we are creating when we're sleeping, we're creating physically, we're turning over cells and we're also having dreams. So we're always creating something and experiencing it. We create when we cook and, and we experience the, the preparation and the cooking and we experience eating it. So that's all that's going on here is creating and experiencing. So if this is so, doesn't it behoove us to understand how to consciously create versus unconsciously create so that we can have the experiences and the outcomes and the things in our life that we truly want. We get the things we don't want because we're unconsciously creating. Do you see your clients have this idea that we're supposed to be experiencing bad things or have hard lives or tough lives and that's why they're creating these you know, experiences? Oh, I love talking about this because this is a big question for a lot of people. Um, first of all, breakdowns, they're challenges. Breakdowns, challenges, okay, right? They hold the seeds for breakthroughs. We can't have a breakthrough without a challenge, without a breakdown. So they're our greatest gifts because they give us a extraordinary experiences. They allow us to grow and expand and to see, experience what we're truly made of, what we're really capable of, because they give us that opportunity to experiment. You know, everything in life is an experiment. Well, what if I did this? Or what if I do that? And if we approach life as an experiment, we take a lot of pressure off ourselves and we create a lot of curiosity and wonder and exploration, discovery, fun. So these challenges are there. This duality is there. You know, like I explain in the book, if you want to experience something pleasant, wonderful, beautiful, incredible, extraordinary, you got to have the opposite existing. You've got to be able to tell it apart. You got to know the difference. How do you know love if you don't know what hate is? Or, you know, but it doesn't mean that you have to have hate in your life. You can just know what it is and know it exists. 
It doesn't have to be a part of your life. So in the book, I describe it. If you had 72 degree weather, 24 seven, that's all you've ever known. That's all there ever is. How are you going to say, this is a beautiful day. I'm enjoying this weather. Somebody comes up to you and they go, nice weather. And you're like, what, what's that? What are you talking about? It wouldn't, it would cease to exist and you wouldn't be able to experience it. So you have to know other types of weather. You've got to know cold and you've got to know rain and things like that in order to really appreciate it and experience it. So we need this duality. We need these opposites to exist in the world. But again, they don't have to be a part of your personal experience. You, uh, suffering is completely optional. They don't have to be part of your life. But to know that they exist out there is enough. And they're there as challenges. They're there to create room for breakthroughs. So they serve a wonderful purpose. I would assume, though, in some way, most of humanity is stuck because most people are unhappy, unfulfilled, and it's very difficult to get out of that. How did people get so messed up? Oh, we were given a lot of misinformation. You know, when people are working my system and they are awakened and they really start to understand the truth and how life works, what's astonishing as well is they find out everything they've been told, what they've been conditioned to believe is actually the opposite of what actually works or what is truth-based. And it creates a lot of messy lives. So for instance, we're taught to, we want to change something. Let's say we want to change somebody's mind about something. So what do we do? We, we push, we resist where they're at and we push and try to force this change. So what you resist because that's part of forcing this change or resisting something, what you resist will persist. So you're actually creating more of what you don't want by resisting. But if you can accept, that's not agreement. There's two distinctions here. Agreement is just saying, yeah, I agree with you. But accepting is not that. It's just saying, I can be with what you have to say or your opinion about that. I can be with it. I can accept it and allow it to be. However, you know, let me impart this message or this information. The person is going to be a lot more receptive to hearing. Ultimately, they have a choice. Ultimately, you can't live their life. You can't make choices for them. However, they'll be receptive. They'll think about it. They'll try it on. They'll consider it. You know, they might try it out. The suggestion, right? So that comes with being accepting of everything. So that's powerful. If you can accept everything and still have an intention and operate with that intention or bringing that intention into fruition, if you can operate from that place, you'll get there, especially if it's, if, if it's authentic. Because, you know, if it's inauthentic, it's going to backfire. You know, you're going to be the one that gets destroyed. So we don't want to do that. No, nobody ever wants that. Nobody wants to suffer. Everybody wants success and happiness. That's what I always say. Even hardened criminals don't want to suffer. They want 
love. They want happiness. They want success. Everybody wants the same things. They just don't know how to go about it. And that's why there's so much misery in the world because they don't have the information and they don't have the tools. And this is why I wake up every day because I, I know nobody needs to suffer and I know everybody can live their ideal, perfect life. And I'm, I'm, you know, the messenger, I'm, I'm here to share that with the world because this is so optional. And I think people don't understand that it's optional, but as we continue to grow and evolve, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimist, but I also believe that we are collectively growing and expanding. And this information is becoming more and more readily available and more understandable and more, much more accepted and more tried. And it, it's a collective consciousness thing. So if all of us are just busy transforming our lives, that's all we need to do to change the planet for good. That's all we need to do to heal it. That's all we need to do to minimize the problems here. And we can still have duality. We could still have that, but it would be so minimized and easily transformed that it won't really impact our lives like it is now. And there's a lot of stuff going on. We all know this in the world right now. There's, there's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of tension. Things have been happening like that. It's coming to a head, you know, a few years ago, as we know. It's all part of the break it down to bring it back together. It's serving a good purpose. But we don't need to really concern ourselves with all these things. As long as we're working on transforming ourselves, that will get handled. I've seen it time and time again. And boy, does it make your job so much easier. Can you give us some examples of how you manifested things in your own life? Yeah, absolutely. And I have some great stories of my clients as well. So one of the first things that I experimented with manifesting, because I had already been manifesting, but I wasn't doing it without taking into consideration limitations and constraints, because that's what we do. We go, you know, most of us are manifesting on that level in a sense. We go, okay, you know what? I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to do that. Okay, great. You know, but then they bring in the limitations. They go, well, you know, I only got paid this much, so I can't really get paid that much. I can only do this because I haven't done that before. And they bring in all these limitations and, and constraints. And they'll probably produce a job of some sort, but it might not be what they really want or, you know, it's not quite it. So one of the, the, one of the first things that I did is I, um, I experimented with uh, manifesting a black BMW convertible for free, but it didn't stop there because I also said, I said, all right, this is an experiment. Let's see what can happen. Really be honest with yourself. What do you truly want? I said, well, I want four seats. I want them to be leather, but I don't want my seat to be leather. And I said to myself, what are you talking about? Your seat not to be leather. I mean, come on, four, what? I said, go with it. Go with it. This is an experiment. So I said, all right, my seat's not leather. It's got six speakers. I didn't even know if they even had six speakers at that time. I just said, I want all these great music around me. And, um, and I said, I want it to be perfectly maintained, meticulous. Um, 
And, and I just, yeah, I want to love this car. Um, I always wanted a convertible as a kid, but I never had one. And usually that constraint or limitation would have been, oh, I can't get a convertible. They're expensive and this and that. And uh, I'll just need, I, I, I don't need to enjoy a car. I just need one that's going to get me from A to B and that kind of thing. But I said, no, what do you really want? So I created that. And um, you want to hear that how I how it actually came about? Of course. The details. Okay. It's yeah. I'm going to try and make this as short as possible. Okay. So I didn't have the money for a car, but I did have this car that was broken down. <laughs> Not broken down, but I mean, it was kind of like having issues here and there. I was constantly getting it fixed. I mean, you know, I was just tired of being bothered with it all the time, and I thought I really need something that's not going to be what's going to be reliable. So I'm putting this car up online to sell it. And it was working fine at that time. So I had just gotten it back from the shop. And I'm looking for the stats on it. So I look online and I find this picture of the car. However, it's the picture of my car, my kind of car, but it's in a James Bond movie. So I'm like, really? This thing was in a James Bond movie because it was just like, you wouldn't have thought, okay? I, it was an AMC. It was like an orange AMC. Just not very Bond-like. But anyways, I put it in the ad and I said, here it is. And I created this number, this amount that I wanted. And... Um, it was, I felt confident to put a good amount in there because this car is like, hey, it might be something interesting to somebody, it might be worth something. So I did. And I instantly get a call from a guy who goes, hey, this is so bizarre. Hey, my, my car just blew up on the freeway. Does it run? I'll take it sight unseen for the price you want. Just like that. It was the easiest sell ever. I was like, yeah, it's running. Come on over. <laughs> so I sold it. So now I have this money. So I look online and I lined up a couple of cars to go look at. And one was the black BMW. See, I wasn't specific about manifesting BMW because like, I, I, I'm not that particular, really not. I'm not particular about color or anything. So I left that open. And that's part of the things to know about manifesting. If it's not really important to you, like a color or something, leave it out. Just leave it out. Don't worry about that detail, but do be specific about what is really important to you, which is what I did. So I go down there and the first car was that black BMW convertible and I drive it. And uh, I thought, well, this is it. I love this car. I want this one. So um, I told, I called the guy and I told him, okay, I'm ready to buy the car. And he tells me the price. And I go, wait a minute, that's not the price. And I had exactly the amount he wanted that was listed in the ad. And I said, well, the ad says, and he goes, you know what? I'm in the marketing business. And if I make a mistake like that, I have to honor it. I'll honor that price, but it's wrong. And I'm going to change it right now. And I'm like, is this guy kidding? But I check it. He really did change it. I'm like, so many bizarre things that happened, you know, through the process. And that voila, that's how I got my car, you know, for free. When I had that, the car that I had, I bought for, originally bought it for like $600. So I didn't think it was worth anything. How am I going to get a car? And this BMW I bought was like 7,000, you know? So yeah, it wasn't just like, well, just sell your car and then you can buy a new one. Well, that didn't seem really possible. 
So um, that's, and then I've, and I've manifested cars after that too. I manifested a Fiat, I've manifested a Prius and um, purely by manifestation, you know, with the Fiat, I said, all right, I don't want a down payment or I want a car. I want it to be leased. I want to pay a hundred dollars a month and I don't want to have to pay anything else. And the strangest thing happened. My friend got an email from another friend who says, I got to move to Italy and I just leased this car. And here's my payment. So there was no down payment. And I just had to pay that hundred dollars. Exactly. Exactly what I wanted to manifest. Mm. It's fun. So one of the things that caught my interest was limitations. And it sounds like whenever you're doing your manifesting, you just have to, you know, however you do it, make sure that you don't put any limitations in. Like I want this thing and I want it. And you have to leave that out. Is that correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. In fact, you should just simply create what it is that you truly want. All right. And step aside from those limitations. What do I really want? Be honest with yourself and write that down. And it's extraordinary because once you've had that experience that you don't need to take in limitations or constraints, you never will again. You'll be changed forever. I, from that point on, I ne- it didn't even occur to me, a limitation or constraint. Because when you've had that experience and you've already proven it, it shifts your faulty belief system. And that's another thing that we've been conditioned to believe is in limitations and constraints. So everything, when we're not. So that's why that's backwards. So everything we've been taught is really backwards. No, there is no such thing as limitations or constraints. And there is no such thing as scarcity. And we've been taught that. So, right, you, you want to leave that out. I have, I have a client, he came to me, he's trying to get, is extraordinary, he was trying to get a, uh, a meeting because he's a producer and a screenwriter with the head of studios for his projects. He tried for two years, he could not even get a meeting with the janitor. He was just, it was, came to me, it was just, I don't know, help me. And within doing this work within one month, he got a deal with Disney, Lionsgate, Hulu. The next month he got one with DreamWorks, another one with uh, Netflix, and he was on the cover of Variety magazine. You work with a lot of A-list celebrities. I would think that most of those people have probably everything that they already would want because of their position financially. What are those type of people wanting that they don't have? Well... A lot of people who experience success, they may know how to manifest money, but they're sacrificing so much. And that's a problem. And that's a problem with the majority of people that are successful is they think, again, limitations, right? And constraints. I, I, I have to dedicate 100% of my focus and my energy on my career to be a success. Therefore, their relationships, they go south. And 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 that's an, and of course that's an empty feeling because at the end of the day you're in your big mansion and you're all alone, rosebud, right? <laughs> like Citizen Kane, right? So that doesn't work. That does not work. And people often say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm all alone. I have all this success, and I, nobody loves me. I don't love anybody. I can't trust anybody. No one trusts. You know, whatever. And I'm all alone. I'm isolated. So what is all this for? And they get very depressed. And it's, it's, it's very 
unfortunate. It's very sad. However, that they were coming from those limitations, constraints, thinking like, well, I can't have it all. I can't have, can't spend quality time with my relationships and be there too when I'm being, when I'm being asked to be here as well. That is a faulty belief. That is simply not true. Absolutely not. And there are few, few and far in between successful people out there that have proven that that's not true. There, they, there are ones that have done that. But like I said, there's, there are few and far in between. I always think about, um, and some of them I personally know, some of them I personally know really, really well um, that are very famous uh, that have a lot of success and happiness in their lives. You know, I just saw my friend Harlan Williams, who was in Dumb and Dumber and Down Periscope and something about Mary. And he's done over like 70 major feature films. He's had his own music career. He has a visual artist career. He's written children's books. He's written adult books. Uh, He's, what has this guy not done? He's produced, he's written, he's got uh, pal, uh, Disney, seven seasons of uh, Puppy Dog Pals, which is a children's show. This guy is totally happy. He's completely balanced. He has an extraordinary life. He has incredible relationships. You know, he's thriving in every way. He was actually a guest on my podcast and we talked about manifesting. He's an extraordinary manifester and it never occurred to him that he had to sacrifice anything. And he's wildly successful. So there are some people out there that do understand this. And I think everybody should understand it because why not? Because it's really actually very doable. And it's a lot easier than people would even imagine. What do you think are some of the mental hurdles people have about getting over limitations? Their faulty belief system. Their belief system. See, between the ages of approximately three and 17, about when we start to learn language, you know, right and wrong, good and bad, things like that, simple language, all the way up to approximately 17. We actually create our belief system. We actually create our relationship to everything in the world, everything. So our relationships to everything in the world that we create ourselves Now, sometimes somebody, our parent says, hey, this is truth. Here, take it. And you take it and you go, okay, this is what I believe. This is my truth. You know, and that's sometimes how it happens. Sometimes it's just from our imagination. I had a client whose life was incredibly, he had a lot of suffering and a lot of stoppage in his life simply because he had a traumatic experience with his mother over bubble gum. These things get created so simply and easily that we don't even realize it. But what happened was, you know, his friend ate his bubble gum. He told his mom. His mom was like, well, and he's just kind of nonchalant and everything. And he started making up these beliefs about she doesn't care about me. Oh, women don't really care about me. Oh, you know, other people don't care. You know, and it just grows from there, from something so simple. So this is what happens. We create our relationship to everything. 
We have a relationship, you know, to our nose, to our toothbrush. We have a relationship to everything. Look, if you don't, if you have a disempowering relationship to your nose, I mean, how comforting are you going to be in life? And how, if you're not confident and you don't, and you're not accepting of yourself, how is other people going to accept you? How are other people going to believe in you? Right? It's incredible. So we want to really shift these relationships. We want to change that belief system, you know, through, through the, well, through the work that I do. So if you shift those relationships, then you're starting to have different experiences, which then is your evidence that what you believed was incorrect. Now you've got the evidence that says otherwise. And you're forever changed. It's a quick way to change your belief system. Let's just say somebody is like, I can't sing and all this stuff. So they end up singing at a karaoke place and everybody cheers them on. Hey, you know, I really, I really you remind me of, you know, all this stuff. And they hear that and, and they're like, what happened to this belief that I can't sing? I mean, clearly I, I just proved that I can. They've had that experience forever. Their lives are changed and they can't believe the lie anymore. It's like a transformation. Totally. So within your system, is it more about changing these beliefs that helps people or is it more about actively doing something like meditating or writing down what you want to manifest or what? That's a really good question because the system is actually very simple. There's four parts. So the first thing that we all need to do is we've got to transform our relationship right to the things in our world. We, you know, we do that in the very first session. It only takes one session and that shifts everything. Right. And that clears up our energy. You know, it clears up uh, what we believe when we've been awakened to the truth. There's something inside of us that always knows the truth that can always pick up the truth, no matter how inauthentic or untruthful we are in our lives, there's something that will never go away that will always resonate with truth. That's why people love these extraordinary entertainers and things like that, because they know it's like this person singing from their heart, you know, and they know it's true. It's, they're not faking it, right? So we, when we shift our belief system, um, through shifting uh, those inauthenticities, getting them out of the way, what we believe. Now we're actually in a place. We remove the blocks. We remove the obstacles. We're coming from a place of awakeness and truth. And then we can start to create our lives. We create our lives. We write it down. There's an art to manifesting, to understanding how to effectively manifest. So you do that and like that part two and part three and four is actually about the importance of being and why, who we're being in the world and how to access being authentic, how that actually determines our experiences and our outcomes. And then that fourth part is about how to stay on track. How do you stay on track? Well, you actually create the ideal perfect day in the morning and then you allow it to come to fruition. So at the end of the day, you look at it and you go, Oh my God, like, 90% of everything I wanted actually happened. 100% of everything I wanted actually happened. So now you're starting to understand how how to manifest the things that you want and you know why or how the manifestation actually happened. So it goes back to the importance of being, you know, so if we're being, explain it like this, 
The reason why we get the things that we don't want in our lives is because we're coming from a place of fear. When we actually do want get the things that we want, we're coming from a place of love. We're creating who, our being, who we are being. So if we're being optimistic, we're being peaceful, we're being kind, we're being generous, we're being happy, we're being satisfied, we're being grateful. You know, the list goes on. If we're being that, then we're going to have the experiences and outcomes that we want. Okay, because we all want success and happiness. So if we're coming from a place of fear, I'm being unmotivated, I'm being depressed, I'm being, you know, and we're actually creating these things. They're not happening to us. We're doing it through our interpretations and the meanings that we create. Okay, because life itself, oh boy, I'm saying a mouthful here. Life itself actually has no inherent meaning attached to it. You get a flat tire, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a piece of rubber that doesn't have any air in it. It doesn't mean anything. So who you, who you are being is going to determine what you're going to make about it, right? So if you just won the lottery, you're being like excited and happy. You're going to be like, yeah, okay, flat tire. Who cares, you know, because you're being excited and happy. But if you just had a breakup with someone you know, you're being depressed. You're like, oh, got a flat tire. This means I'm going to be late. And if I'm late, I'm going to be in so much trouble. I'm probably going to lose my job, you know, and you start creating things. And so that's how we create is, you know, based upon who we're being is going to give way to what we create if we interpret something bad or wrong. When we create something that, I mean, we interpret something as bad or wrong, then we start creating the rest. This is bad. This is wrong because I'm going to be late and I'm going to lose my job. And then guess what? You're late and your boss yells at you and tells you, look, if you, this happens again, you're going to, you're out of here or they just fire you. You think there's a coincidence or you think you were just being predictive. Think again. Right. But if you came in there and you were being apologetic or grateful or this or that. Hey, you know what? Or appreciative. Hey, I know you guys have been waiting on me here and everything. I truly apologize. Thank you. You know, be, thank you for being understanding or whatever. And is there anything I can do to make it up to you guys? What can I do here? If you're coming in like that, I really, you know, are they really, they're going to much more, well, look, this cut this guy a break, you know, it's like things happen. It'll be completely different. So your outcome and your experiences are different based on who you're being, which is why in the book, there's a whole chapter about the importance of being. It's fascinating that you said life is meaningless because I had taken this weekend seminar many years ago. And one of the major things that I got from the whole thing was that there was no meaning to life. It was only whatever meaning you assign to whatever happens. Otherwise, there's no meaning. Yes. Well, that's absolutely true. And I mean, we can see it. It's not that hard. I know it's all, it's all combined. I mean, we're very, we're very quick. We're very reactive, you know? Um, you know, we drop, uh, drop our, our cup and, and it breaks or, you know, we, um, you know, somebody says something rude to us or something happens. We don't realize we're going through these, these steps, we don't realize it, but 
if somebody's like shouts at you, hey, I don't want to see you anymore. You know, really what happened is they just made a bunch of loud noises with their mouth. We have to go, we have to make it good or bad. We might say like, we could make it say good. I don't want to see you anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all up to us. Or we can say, oh no, you know, that's bad. And then, you know, create from there. Or we can give it no meaning at all and just, or maybe we just give it the meaning like, well, maybe somebody's upset here. Let me find out what's going on, you know. But then we we then go on to create what it means about us. And that's where a lot of trouble is as well. So someone said, I don't want to see you anymore. And we make it mean, you know, this is bad and, you know, sad, bad. What does it mean about me? It means that I'm not good enough. Why would somebody say that to me? I'm not lovable, this and that. This is where all the trouble starts. When we personalize it is where we really take our power away from ourselves, is where we become disempowered and we're ineffective in the situation. If we didn't make it mean that about ourselves, right? We'd be like, clearly there's supposed to be a misunderstanding. Let's clear something up. I know I'm great. You know, I love me. You must love me. I love me. So can we clear this up? There's something not right here. I love you. Right. So it can go so many ways, but we don't understand this. Right. And we're talking about this is goes back a long time. This is all inside of existentialism. But um, it's really not that uh, mysterious. And it's really not that huge of a statement to make that life is meaningless or that there's no meaning attached to it because it's, it's really true when you start to notice where you go and what you create. I always say to my clients, look, you get a text message and it's bad news or something. And you go through your steps, right? However, you could get a text message in a foreign language that you don't understand. What are you going to make it mean then? You see, it didn't have any meaning at all. You had to be the one to interpret it and then give it meaning. And usually the interpretation is either like good, bad, right, wrong, something simple. And then we create why. What is the difference between what you're offering and the secret? And I don't think the secret is a foolproof deal, but I think you're saying that what you offer is. Yep. Well, it's funny you should say that because I remember observing a friend of mine who was in this book reading group. And I kind of sat in, I already had read the secret. I already knew all, I already knew all this stuff. I've been, I was, you know, I was doing this, but I was, I, I came and I attended and I saw everybody was reading this book and well, prior to that, sorry, I saw them before they were, and they were pretty dejected. They were pretty depressed. They were pretty not happy people, you know, they're not very warm. I'm just, you know, whatever. But then they started reading this book and they changed. It was incredible. I was like, Oh good. They're getting it. Yay. You know, and this is, this information is making a difference, you know, and this is great to see these transformations and, and they were warm and they were loving and they were so attractive and charismatic. But then when they stopped reading the book, they all reverted back to the way they were. I saw this happen with my dad. I saw this happen with a lot of people who read the book and I thought that was terribly heartbreaking, 
The information is great and it's good food for thought. However, it doesn't give you anything to actually utilize. It doesn't give you a step-by-step. It doesn't give you, you, people need that. They need something that is cut and dried step-by-step, clear instructions and directions. They don't want to try and figure it out themselves. Believe me, they don't want to because I did and it took forever. So I had cut all that guesswork out for everybody, including myself, because I'm a participant of it. So that's that's the difference is because this is step by step. They can actually learn it, whether they're working with me individually, one on one or whether they're working in a group or whether they're working the book itself. Um, they just have to just follow the steps exactly the way it's designed, no shortcuts, no freewheeling, because believe me, I experimented and I made sure that only the basics were there, only the absolute essential ingredients were there, and there's no fluff. You just do that and everything falls into place. All right, Sterling, the time has just blown by. It's almost an hour and I haven't even asked you, how do we find out more about you? What is your website? My website is getyourlifenow.com. Um, I'm also an intuit. So that website is intuitivelifebysterling.com. Um, yeah. And then the book is available on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Um, yeah, getyourlifenow.com. I also have a Facebook page and Instagram. So people can find me there. Really easy. Sterling Meyer. Uh, get your life now it'll populate and you also have a youtube channel because i've seen it what's the name of it again i do man it's be it's actually being overhauled right now i'm i'm about to impart a lot of great stuff on that channel Mm -hmm. there's not there's not a lot on there right now so it's under construction but um i believe it's uh manifestation mastery the podcast manifestation mastery can be heard there's a lot i i interviewed harlan williams and d wallace who was the mother in et and it was the star of cujo she wrote the foreword to my book She's been teaching conscious creation for 30 years. A wonderful interview with her. One of the stars from Rescue Mediums. I had a great interview there. So that's called Manifestation Mastery with Sterling Meyer. And that's on, you know, Apple. It's on Spotify. It's all over the place. So please enjoy the blog uh, podcast. Yes. Are you available to the public? And what I mean by that is if someone wants to ask you a question, are you open to that? Yes. And how should they reach you? You can reach me at info at getyourlifenow.com. That's a good place. Or either Facebook is fine too. I'm on LinkedIn. All right. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Absolutely. I'd love that. What I want to say to everybody is know there's a way, know that you can live your best life. You can have everything you want, all the experiences, anything and everything is truly possible. Don't ever give up, get the tools, work with the best people possible, do whatever you got to do because this is your life and you're worth it and you can do it. Thank you for that message. And Sterling, thank you again for being my guest. I appreciate you and have a great rest of your evening. 
Thank you. You too. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.